Brothers of the plow, the power is with you. The world in expectation waits for action prompt and true. Oppression stalks abroad, monopolies abound. Their giant hands already clutch the tillers of the ground. Awake then, awake, the great world must be fed. And heaven gives the power to the hand that holds the bread. Yes, brothers of the plow, the people must be fed. Hello and welcome to the American Writers 100 Pages at a Time podcast and in this episode I'll be looking at uh, some of the middle parts of the Gilded Age by by Mark Twain and Charles Dudley Warner um, this section is mostly the stuff written by by Warner so it's not um, it's still part of the Mark Twain series Mark Twain had his hand in conceiving of the story and all that but but I think these sections were mostly written by by Warner but that's okay it all flows together into one pretty good story i think um i've been really liking this 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 book it's, it's been a while since i read a book like this um it kind of makes me think of some of the other like late 19th century stuff i've i've i did earlier in the podcast um that that kind of naturalist stuff it, it this isn't quite there this is still more i think in the realist tradition but it's it, it you see elements of 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 later 19th century naturalism here i think but anyways um so we st really to start out here with our, our look at like ruth bolton and ruth bolton is uh is a quaker she's the fiance of philip sterling so we should maybe go back and talk about these people because i just introduced them at the end of the last episode sterling um philip uh, it's Philip Sterling is his name. And then, um, what's the other dude's name? Um, yeah, Harry. Harry Breeley. So I'll just call him Harry and Philip for most of this episode, I, I think. Um, Harry is more of, kind of, he's more akin to Washington. It, not George Washington, but the Washington in this novel. Being a little more dreamy and a little more carefree. And then we have uh, Philip, who's a little more serious, but both of them kind of get hooked up into Colonel Sellers' uh, plots, which are all about land speculation, development, and eventually about government money. So, you know, the early parts of the book was really about, like, how do we sell this land? Get, it, was about, it was about land speculation mostly, another kind of scams, like technology stuff, which are stuff that, ironically, kind of Mark Twain sort of got roped into, as I understand so we have that um, part of it, but then in this part of the book, also it kind of sh the focus shifts to Washington, and so the post Civil War America is, you know, it's known for the corruption, right? Maybe you studied this if you studied like a, a more negative view of Reconstruction or the Grant presidency. There'll be a focus on all these like scandals and all this corruption and the political machines. Uh, patronage and all this other stuff going on and of course that's still part of Washington life I think it's like you know the people can get worked up about corruption like haven't studied the history of like virtually any society I, I don't think there's ever been a society without that you know even you know ancient empires you had just like normal graft because that's how bureaucrats made their well, that was the bread and butter of bureaucrats um, and you know that's how you form national coalitions is by buying people off and giving people jobs and that was just how 
it was done. In fact, it was a class redistributive policy in many cases because um, the people who supported the party tended to be, you know, working class voters in a city and a patronage system gave them jobs, right? So it was taking government money, you know, from one class and giving it to another class of people through jobs. Um, and that was a way to kind of move up in society for, for many immigrant groups. So I'm not as harsh on this idea uh, on this as, as some others. Some people, um, you know, get so pro-clutching about, about corruption as if it's not just how governments work. Governments are redistributive. Um, that's the basic function they have. And so it's going to be redistributed in some way. And and, and so there's going to be corruption involved in that. And the, and the hope is you'd you the corruption feeds in a certain direction, right? You know, um, not downward, but, 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 but upward. And it's certainly possible. I mean, mob corruption, union corruption, these things flow money in a, in a direction that is more towards working class communities. And it keeps money in those communities to a certain degree, not letting it um, venture out quite as much as if it's just tax cuts to the, to the billionaire class. So anyways, there's a larger discussion to be had about all this, but certainly Mark Twain and Warner are, are lambasting and, and being a little moralistic about, about all this corruption, but it wasn't a new thing in American life at the time, it seems to me, but um, that's the plot of the story, essentially. Um, now, with these other characters, we get these kind of subplots and like smaller stories of corruption taking place. And so... We, that's where Ruth Bolton fits in. Ruth Bolton is the fiance of Philip, and she's a Quaker, so she's she's in a Quaker family, kind of. I I think the purpose is to to have them be like um, very maybe somewhat progressive, but also very uh, you know having certain moral values that, that get respected, right? A certain seriousness, a studiousness, a a, a, a you know. A moralism there is kind of built in in the DNA of the character um, by being a Quaker. She's got very conservative parents. Um, but she wants to study medicine. So there's actually a very feminist argument here about how she is going to be, you know, she's going to be part of this new post-war progressive era, this new woman almost. It's like a precursor to the new, new, new woman. I think that's more of a later 19th century phenomenon, but... You see elements of it, you know, even in the middle of the century, I think. And, um, you know, she, ultimately she wants to, to kind of re-be united with Philip and connect to him and be part of the land schemes he's on. Um, but, but she also has this personal desire to enter into medicine. And the, the parents are trying to talk her out of it, but she, eventually she does. So... That in chapter 15, she eventually um, embraces her ambition um, and, and gets the approval of her family to pursue a career in medicine, you know, to actually go to school for that. But we see another kind of element of corruption here when uh, Mr. Bolton, Ruth's father, is introduced to this guy, Mr. Bigler, who is basically trying to scam her father. Essentially, so there's all this money, you know, there's all these Duke and the King characters floating around Twain's novels. Actually, I think more than Huck Finn, the archetype of the Duke and the King is there in, in, in some degree in almost all of, of, of Twain's novels. You know, um, I would even think the, the, the historical romances have, have that to a certain degree. 
Um, but this one definitely has Duke and the King characters just flittered throughout it because everyone's kind of after money after and, and scamming people. And Bolton has a reputation of like doing these bad investments. So people just, just like when a scammer gets you, if you're a gullible person and you give money to a scammer, that scammer sells your number to all sorts of people, right? And they all come after you. Um, so he's also involved in kind of Western speculation and railroad investment and things, very much like Sellers and, 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 and Philip and Harry are kind of involved in, in speculation and Western development, right? So that's another kind of story to remember. Like the Wild West, we talked about this with Roughing It. The Wild West was not a domain of free, um, free enterprise and the cowboy kind of thing. It was maybe there's moments of it, you know, where you have the independent entrepreneur, the independent, like, uh, gold speculator, the cowboy. But these quickly, very quickly, within, like, a decade, get overtaken by capital. Like, the big mining interests, the big landowners, the railroads, the the huge ranchers, you know, the, the urban extraction. Read William Cronin's Nature's Metropolis, which remains the best book about the West that... Um, I've ever come across. So everyone's sort of involved in this uh, this speculation, and, and Bolton sort of gets um, thrown into these scams as well. Um, quick rich schemes are are the heart of it. Ruth, though, is presented as a somewhat exceptional woman, but her fate of of also part of being sucked into Washington life is represented later on in the story with her her flirtations with with harry and and are kind of drifting away from philip who is the more present given to us as the more honest broker of the of those two of that pair um so at this point we kind of jump to uh philip and harry's story with with colonel sellers and they're just doing their kind of speculation work and so they have a couple scams one is to develop a, a village uh, that's going to be the source the, the tar where the railroad comes through. So the railroad's going to come through here, and then so it comes, you got to buy that land, develop it, and then sell it for a huge profit, right? Just basically old, good old fashioned speculation. But if a railroad's running through that, they're you know you you're poised to make a lot of money from that. Um, so that's part of it. And then there's also going to be this scheme that Sellers is involved in with these two. And this is kind of in a couple chapters um, where they're going to the Stones Landing area um, where they got the railroad schemes. But then the next schemes already started being planted. So he's he, Sellers is, is juggling multiple kind of scams at once. Um, or get, which, get quick, rich plot schemes. I don't know if they're scams so much. I mean, certainly the public is, is ultimately going to be scammed by these. And people are going to lose money off of it. So there, there is something shady about it. But, but it's just how everyone sort of acts. It's like every character is involved in that in a way. Even our, even poor Laura, um, the Hawkins family. We, there's not, they're not much in this part of the book, but, but they're in the backdrop. And we'll, we'll come back and say a little bit about them. And, and, and definitely next episode, we'll come back and, and focus on, on the, Haw on the Hawkins. Um, but anyways, this next scheme he comes up with is basically a, a columbus river kind of development so this is also connected to the stones landing because it's it's nearby um it, it's it's this, it's a nearby area out in the west but the idea is like we developed this town and then we developed the river uh in the same way so there's going to be federal money flowing in so that's what all this about ultimately is like getting that getting on that federal teat 
and 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 getting that funding for whatever kind of development project you um, can sort of imagine. So that's going to set up, I think, most of what the rest of the novel is about is the fate of those schemes and the fate of our characters as they get more and more intertwined with those schemes. Um, so at this part of the story, we get a, uh, a kind of a, I think it's a flashback to, uh, to the period after Hawkins died. So we kind of stopped talking about the Hawkins family after Cy Hawkins, Silas Hawkins died. Um, and then we kind of can see where the family goes. And a lot of it was already set up. So Washington, um, the legitimate son of the Hawkins family, is um, legitimate, the natural son of the Hawkins family. He is a dreamer. He's already kind of like hooked up with Colonel Sellers and his way of looking at the world as basically everything's a, a, a means to get rich in some way. And then we had Clay, who was more hardworking. These are the adopted kids and Laura, the, the two adopted kids, Laura being the youngest, the one saved from the the steamboat accident earlier in the book and and so we kind of pick up with with laura in particular and washington uh, as well um actually washington went and fought for the confederacy so he had military service during the civil war so the civil war is like the what what the, the story passes over here uh, we don't dwell on it much but we get some background into the characters um, now, Washington is a failure during the war in that he gets captured. And, of course, all the Confederates were big losers. Um, um, actually, Sellers also was in the war, but he was more like a um, trying to do future tech. He, he's like Heinlein, like Robert A. Heinlein when during World War II, where he was kind of sent to Pennsylvania to make future tech. Um, Colonel Sellers was making future tech for the Confederacy. It was going to be like bombs dropped from balloons or something it's it's really ridiculous and he just ends up blowing up his own um house or something um laura meanwhile uh falls in love with a soldier a guy named selby and marries him and then he abandons her shortly thereafter um saying well i'm a bigamist i've already got a wife sorry sorry babe i'm i i, I don't i don't really like you anymore you got a little old for me. You're like, you know, she's like maybe like DiCaprio or something. I don't know what. But the point about this story, I don't know if Selby, I don't remember if Selby comes back in the story. Um, I think it's not that important. But he does marry Laura and abandons her. And this like turns Laura, like, I don't want to say evil, but it does make her cynical. Quote, the devil is put into her heart. Uh, through this through this action um so that's what kind of what's happening to them but um what we have the interesting thing in this chapter it's all in chapter 18 by the way is we have this idea of like the dreamer it, the dreamers fight for the confederacy right washington and sellers they're for the confederacy they're for the irrational for the unbelievable for the the, the lost cause, all that kind of stuff. Even the lost cause ideology comes later, but the idea of the romanticism of fighting for an aristocratic civilization, that's all kind of on that side of it. The union is presented, the little we get from that point of view is presented as more, more logical, right? Um, more, more not as attractive to someone like Washington. Um, and I just think that's striking. And then that's the fact that sellers just keep 
doing his scams. And this time he's trying to scam the Confederate government with a with a ridiculous um, aerial warfare scheme that's not going to go anywhere and, and doesn't go anywhere. Imagine him. He's like a, like he's Howard Hughes or like Heinlein in his in his office, like developing stuff for the for the army that's never actually going to to see battle or 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 whatever. And what, which is ultimately what's going to happen with all these development schemes after the war and this money that gets sent to the West is it's it's just speculation. Um, so after this, I I think we kind of enter into what's what's frankly a kind of boring part of the book uh, for me, anyways. Um, we get like I'll, I'll just kind of uh, uh, shoot off some of the plot that we get in this part of the story um one is harry um finds laura after she's been abandoned by that selby guy and they start uh kind of a romantic relationship um remember he's the more carefree relaxed one and she's already embittered so there's a kind of something being set up there i think in the two characters um, but mostly what's happening in this area is um, Harry basically convinces Laura that she can go and help with the Stones landing scheme by becoming a lobbyist. Um, essentially like greasing the wheels in Washington, which I don't know if that was a big role for women. I, I imagine I think the connection to Laura also has a lot to do with her own land holdings because that's going to be part of, of the that's going to be a pawn. That's going to be part of the assets that the that Sellers is going to have in the back of his head, and Laura's the connection to that um, to that land. Um, so all this kind of, you know, this this is a huge amount of land she has. What was it, twenty five thousand acres? It's just a massive amount of land, and it was being bandied about as basically worthless before. But who knows, right? Who knows if there's gold under there or. Who knows if that's going to be the there's going to be a railroad that passes through there. You know, anything could, you know, in this post-Civil War industrial age, anything could, you know, any kind of discovery, you know, any kind of development, any kind of government investment in that region could make that instantly like worth like the equivalent of billions today. Right. So Harry is in some sense using Laura for his for these schemes um and but anyway she eventually he does she does eventually go along with this idea of being um, a speculator of sorts and then this introduced our kind of first political character our first objectively political character which is abner dilworthy who um meets laura and he's kind of an interesting guy he's like all politicians prone to corruption and prone to these backwards deals and not entirely trustworthy, but he's also um, of the reconstruction era. I think if I can find the passage here where it's, it's talked about. Now there's a section here where it's discussed like what to do with the former slaves. Cause this is of course central to reconstruction politics is the fate of the former slaves. Do they get land? How do you educate them? How do you kind of uh, restore families that have been broken up by slavery? Whatever it is, but all it's like this idea of uplift. How do you uplift this this race that is now free citizens in the, in the country? Right, that's the burden. Right, they, they don't want them to be a, like a 
dependent class. They, of course, the goal of the government is to make them as independent as possible. And that's, of course, the goal of the civil rights activists in Reconstruction as well. And the question is how to do it. Um, so this is about Senator Dilworthy. Quote, he took a lively interest in the town and all the surrounding country and made many inquiries as to the progress of agriculture, of education, of religion, and especially of the condition of the emancipated race. Providence, he says, has placed them in our hands, and although you and I, General, may have chosen a different destiny for them under the Constitution, yet Providence knows best. You can't do much with them, interrupted Colonel Sellers. They are a speculating race, sir, disinclined to work for white folks without security, planning how to live only by working for themselves. Idle, sir. That's my garden just of ruined weeds. Nothing practical in them. End quote. Now, obviously, this is a joke. This is uh, something that Mark Twain and, and Warner here are trying to get across is the hypocrisy. Sellers, he's just described himself, right? Um, so there's kind of an anti-racist undertone in this book, I think. And so, so Dilworthy replies, there's some truth to your observation, Colonel, but you must educate them. And then Sellers says, you educate the Negro and you make him more speculating than he was before. If he won't stick to any industry except for himself now, what will you do then? But Colonel, the Negro... But Colonel, the Negro and educator will be more able to make his speculations fruitful. Never, sir, never. He would not only have a wider scope to injure himself. A Negro has no grasper. Now a white man can conceive great opportunities and carry them out. A Negro can't. End quote. So they, they end up going back and forth. And Dilworthy even talks about elevating the souls of, of black people. So there, this is the heart of the discussion of what to do with the emancipated slaves. Um do you you know how do you make them independent and is there can they be raised up i guess that's the heart of the debate if like if you're a racist you say well it doesn't matter what can their only proper condition is one is dependency and so now that we don't have slavery we're going to need some other means to keep them dependent the other side saying well if you educate them you'll lift the race out of degeneracy and other problems of poverty and that'll be good for the nation as well as for them that's the debate we get with um, this with with Dilworthy. Now, not that Dilworthy is a fully honorable character in every way. He's he's um, he's involved in these schemes too, but um, and in fact, Sellers basically pawns off Washington on Dilworthy, where he's going to be also lobbying. So we got Laura and Washington basically beginning the the process of greasing the wheels of Washington. Okay, um, so what else here? Oh, there's another subplot here of Harry kind of getting chummy with with um, Ruth, who's sort of being corrupted by this new age as well, away from her. She kind of gets stressed out by this efforts to become a, uh, a doctor. There's gender barriers to her progress in that way there's also other frustrations but she has just she has a character changed a little bit and this catches the eyes of harry so we see harry chasing yet another girl um in the course of the novel but it's at this point chapter 22 or 23 or so that this that the focus of the story shifts to washington and once again um we got some wonderful things here like uh um the aura of wash of washington compared to the reality of Washington, right? Like if you go from afar, it's a growing city, it's developing, the Washington Monument is being um, developed. Um, it's, um, 
that's the that's the sign you see. But the whole National Mall was being kind of beginning to be uh, created at that point. Uh, wasn't the Capitol building rebuilt during the Civil War uh, under Lincoln's presidency? So Washington's changing into what you know recognized. Although many buildings were built in the 30s, much of the development like Lincoln Memorial, the Jefferson Memorial, that stuff developed later in the 30s. But the the, the recognizable Washington is being developed at that time. Um, but on the surface, when you get closer in it, you have this kind of um, crumminess and poverty and, and roughness and the dirt roads and the, the stink and the swampiness and the rats and all these things. And in fact, if you go to Washington today and you walk around after dusk, there's rats everywhere. I'm not talking here about the, the lobbyists and the politicians. I'm talking about literally, you know, just rats from wandering the streets. I don't know why so many there. Uh, maybe that's the case in the whole region, but it's kind of emblematic. That was my experience in Washington anyways. Um, but our story gets there because Dilworth and Washington are working on this Columbia River project. So the corruption of this system, it, it's, you know, the metaphor is not hard to, to tease out here. Um, you know, it's incomplete, but it, it's already kind of corrupted and, and sick. Um, and then, so not only do we have Washington being, being corrupted, we have characters uh, verging on corruption, especially Ruth, who verges into worldliness and, and, and dating and playing around with, with, with men and all that. So I, I think us getting to Washington is a good time to kind of maybe wrap up this episode. Um, we kind of have all the characters I think we really need. There might be some other minor ones that are introduced, but the heart of the story is here. It's this, uh, you know, the Gilded Age being something that affects us as individuals, affects the nation as a whole, and, and affects our projects and our, and our capital. And everything is gilded. That's, I think, the, ultimately the point that we're trying to make. The even worthy characters, characters we started out liking and finding as worthwhile like laura fall into that ruth is another one i don't know what's gonna happen to clay does, does clay disappear from the story but you're the, any goodness is, is 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 easily um tarnished and falls falls away I'm trying to maintain this metaphor it's not working that's okay um yeah so we're, we're halfway through the gilded age at this point and so in the next episode we'll talk about chapters wherever we are now chapter 27 8 or something like that up till chapter 55 maybe yeah or 45 maybe 45 i gotta get my roman numerals right um so that'll be in the next episode so um anyways uh I guess that's it for now. Let me know what you think about any of this. If you read this story before, what are your own thoughts about that or the characters or, or where they're going? Um, I think this one's worth reading. I, I didn't the first time I read it. I wasn't that struck by it, but taking a, a little bit, chewing on a little bit more, I, I do think this story is, is worth checking out if you haven't yet. So anyways, uh, that's it for now. Thanks for listening, and I will see you next time. Of the plow, come rally once again. Come gather from the prairie wide, the hillside and the plain. Not as in days of yore, 
with trump of battle sound. But come and make the world respect the tillers of the ground. Awake then, awake.